Turn with him now to the passage of scripture that we read together. Um, the Gospel according to John, chapter 11. And um, read again verse 56. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think that he will not come to the feast? These words in particular. What do you think that he will not come to the feast? Now the immediate context in which this that gave rise uh, to this question was of course um, um, the astounding miracle uh, that had taken place and uh, that of the raising of Lazarus uh, which as the people gathered uh, together in Jerusalem at that time it was the Passover and as we are told that many had gone up from the country to purify uh, themselves in preparation uh, for um, the feast of uh, the Passover the annual feast when we are told at that time that um, uh, the population of um, Jerusalem just swelled. It was a, a population of around, I think, um, was it 30,000? 30, 30, and it is believed that it will swell up to 150,000. Fivefold uh, increase in the population. So you can have some idea of just how crowded uh, the city was at that time. They had gone up and would have gone up early to purify themselves because according to the general statute, purification uh, was necessary and had to go up at least about seven days before the actual uh, uh, Passover sacrifice uh, would uh, take place. And that would take time, all the, all the, the washings and changes, changes of clothes, all the sacrifices uh, that were uh, pres prescribed and, uh, with all the people it did uh, leave at least some time of the milling together and the buzz of course at that time was uh, the question as to whether uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, would assemble with them uh, uh, for uh, the Passover <coughs> as had been his custom uh, in uh, the past. But um, uh, they were wondering whether he would actually attend. And of course we know that um, uh, he had delayed his coming because despite the great miracle, but well, well, just the one miracle uh, that had taken place, uh, the raising of Lazarus uh, from uh, the, the, the dead uh, but um, uh, 
He had the reputation of performing many miracles and even his enemies acknowledged that because um, uh, the the, uh, Luke uh, refers refers to that that what shall we do for this man who works many John I should say what shall we do for this man who works many signs if we let him alone like this everyone would believe on him and the Romans would come and take away our place uh, they were very concerned that uh, uh, the, the, the popularity that Jesus Christ was gaining amongst the people as a consequence of these miracles and of course the fear, the fear, the constant fear was that more and more people would come to accept him as, uh, as their Messiah. So, despite the fact that they were aware of this great miracle that had never taken place before, a, ra- rising, a raising from the dead of a man who was in the tomb under the power of death for four days, and he called, he raised him up and called him out of, uh, out of that, that tomb. Just with that alone, but all the other miracles that they acknowledge. And instead of recognizing him as their, as their Messiah and uh, humbling themselves before him and owning him as their Lord and as their God, they, they gathered together, planned together how they could arrest him and put him to death. Of course, the Lord became aware of that. And as John says, he walked no more uh, in the public. He withdrew with his disciples to a little village uh, called Ephraim. And there he remained with his disciples. Not Not out of fear, but out of his own knowledge that his hour, though now very close, uh, had not yet arrived. So he delayed his his uh, ascending or his coming uh, to uh, join uh, uh, with the people at the time uh, of uh, uh, the, the the Passover. That is what gave rise then uh, to this uh, concern, and. Um, no doubt uh, the question uh, arose because of for many for many reasons that one in particular uh, but many other reasons because the fame of him had gone all over the country even when he uh, uh, when he was um, uh, sent to by, by Pilate sent to Herod who was in Jerusalem at that at this time after Christus had been arrested and Luke tells us when Herod saw Jesus he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him and rest assured that um, that kind of interest and that kind of concern um, gave rise to this uh, sort of uh, anxious question will he, will, uh, do you think that uh, he will not come uh, to uh, the feast um, the, 
question expresses, though, a concern that is characteristic uh, of all of God's people uh, in all of their gatherings, a concern whether or not uh, the Lord himself uh, will make his presence known uh, to them, uh, especially in times such as this, when uh, we are to remember our Lord's death uh, till he comes. And this uh, concern arises uh, from uh, a love uh, for and an intense desire uh, not only for the fellowship, uh, fellowship of Lord's people uh, one with the other, but for the Lord's own fellowship, that fellowship that makes makes even their own fellowshipping together such uh, a blessing. And uh, I wish, with Lord's help, uh, to meditate with you for a little uh, upon. Uh, these words, not from the perspective of these unbelieving Jews, uh, but from um, a real desire of soul and uh, heartfelt longing for communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that concern then regarding the Lord's presence that I wish to uh, consider with you uh, for a little this uh, evening. And in dire need of the help of the Lord uh, himself. So I trust that you'll also be uh, listening uh, with a prayerful uh, prayerful attitude of mind and heart, seeking the Lord, especially for the help of his Spirit who alone can open unto us uh, the Scriptures. I'd like to consider first of all the, na the nature of this question. And um, uh, that is, uh, it is not a natural and a common or a common concern. Indeed, I would say that it is a, a concern that is peculiar. Peculiar uh, in the sense that it is uh, confined uh, to uh, the, Lord's, uh, the Lord's people. For it is a spiritual concern. It's not something that rises out of nature. It is a spiritual concern. That's a concern that is spirit-inspired uh, or spirit-ignited. Uh, the result of being uh, united uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, himself. Uh, it is indeed uh, <clears throat> uh, an, an, an evidence of the reality of that union uh, of the, with the Lord. It is as, uh, an evidence of the spiritual life that has resulted or, uh, or has been ignited in the soul through being united to Christ uh, by faith and a spiritual life that uh, 
will not and cannot uh, be satisfied with external formalities, external meetings, uh, even meeting in a, in a physical way. We need to know uh, communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus uh, Christ, just as the Lord himself testifies in the gospel, in this very gospel in chapter 17, where he says, this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, uh, whom you have said. That knowledge, not, just, not an intellectual knowledge, it is an, ex, an experimental uh, knowledge. Knowing, uh, not just, not about Christ, but knowing Christ himself as he's presented to us uh, in uh, the scriptures and especially as he's presented to us when we come to that in the Lord's Supper by, the, by these elements, the symbols of his broken body and his shed blood life that consists in fellowship with the living Lord in the Lord Jesus Christ this then is the, the nature and the source of this uh, concern will as, he say, as they say is said here what do you think that he will not come the feast? That's a good question for us all then and a challenge. Here we are on the eve of uh, our own Passover Christ, our Passover having been crucified for us um, <clears throat> are you exercised in your soul at this time whether or not you will know the presence and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ is that not what makes all the difference? What's the point, or what's the use, I should say, of gathering in this manner? Certainly there are benefits and blessings even in fellowshipping together. But what is the blessing above all? Surely it is to know fellowship of soul with the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, the living Lord. That should be our burden. That should be our, our greatest, our deepest, our strongest desire in gathering together uh, in obedience to his own command at such a time as this. Well, that's something of the what is it, what is involved in uh, what lies, shall we say, behind this concern, which I say is characteristic only of the Lord's people. The ordinary man, the unconverted man, the unregenerate man has no such concern. But it is a concern to those whom God has quickened by his spirit and brought into union with himself through Jesus Christ. And secondly, uh, the grounds uh, of, of this, or grounds for this concern that's distinct from the source. What does it where what what causes and what is the, the, the grounds, the, the means whereby this concern is aroused uh, in, in in our souls? 
because it's such an agitation uh, of soul it brings in that care and concern or will he um, come uh, uh, to the feast well now certainly um, and the Lord's people I'm sure will can think of dozens of reasons uh, that would, would justify him in not uh, making himself known, not bestowing us his own uh, his own presence. <clears throat> that is the, the 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 worldliness that can take hold of us, uh, being more interested in the, the concerns of this life rather than uh, the concern spiritual concerns our consciousness of our unfaithfulness to our perhaps perhaps broken vows perhaps even since the last communion and you, at the last communion you, you you were renewed and you vowed made vows to the Lord what, what, what about them then when you look back are you not conscious of broken vows and because of that, that consciousness little wonder that you would have fear and even doubts as to whether the Lord will actually make his presence known to you or there's multitudes uh, of reasons out of lack of service to him, living not for him who loved us loving, living not for ourselves but for him who loved us and gave himself for us and what service have we performed to the Lord what have we done for our Lord and Saviour who has done so much for us our lack of our lack of devotion or perhaps even you may you may uh, be going just out, out of duty apart and yet there is so little spirit so little real genuine uh, uh, desire for communion and for you're just going through the motions or oh, the coldness the lukewarmness of our hearts friends as he uh, said was it concerning uh, the church of Laodicea that she was neither hot nor cold and because she was neither hot nor cold he was going to spit her out of, uh, out of his mouth our lukewarmness our coldness and perhaps even too you're conscious of actual sins actual transgressions and the guilt of that lies on your conscience to such an extent that you uh, fear that the Lord will not perhaps even never again lift upon you the light uh, of uh, his uh, countenance and of course that is in accordance with the testimony of yourself that feeling of a, a rift between yourself and the Lord in Isaiah for instance um, chapter 59 your, your iniquities have separated between you and your God 
and your sins have hid his face from you. See how the shorter catechism uh, speaks of that in the, uh, the, the, the question, uh, what is the misery of uh, that estate wherein to man fell, all mankind by the fall lost communion with God. That is the nature and that, that nature of sin. That is the effect, as you see, of sin. Losing communion with God. It severs our uh, communion, our enjoyment of communion and fellowship uh, with him. And such a situation then, uh, that is a loss of communion um, with him, a breach uh, of fellowship, and uh, that is not, sad to say, an infrequent uh, experience or condition of um, the Lord's people. Oh, that condition also uh, is often aggravated by the great enemy of our soul, our adversary, who's ever ready uh, to discourage us and um, uh, to weaken our, uh, our confidence uh, in the Lord. Remember how, um, isn't it, uh, yes, in Zechariah, prophecy of Zechariah, we're told that Joshua, the high priest, he was standing before the angel, and uh, uh, interestingly, in, um, in, in soiled, in unclean garments, what are we told? That the devil, Satan, was there and ready to resist him, to oppose him. And doesn't the devil take advantage of the Lord's people when they have um, been careless, uh, they have drifted away from the Lord or even fallen in, in fallen into sin? Is he not already uh, to suggest, oh, you'll, you'll, well, if, if you ever did know the Lord, you can rest assured that it's it's curtains for you. Uh, uh, never again will he lift in you the light of his countenance. The psalmist, again in Psalm 42, tis as a sword within my bones when my foes me upbraid even whereby by your writing. When by them, where is thy God? Tis daily to be said. Uh, oh, um, that these um, uh, thoughts, these dis distressing and discouraging uh, thoughts can take a hold of our hearts, of our minds, so that um, uh, we indeed question uh, as the as this question, uh, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that that was what lay behind the, 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 the question here, but it certainly lies behind uh, the question for us because these very words vocalize uh, this, uh, this uh, what we feel in our hearts. Oh, what do you think? That he will not come to 
to the feast. And is that not your own concern? Then? Is that not your own fear uh, that that will be true at this uh, time? Uh, that, of course, can also be even a form a, 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 a form of chastisement by the Lord himself that we do feel forsaken that we may learn that it is an evil and a bitter thing to have forsaken the Lord our God and that his fear is not uh, upon us. And in such a situation, in, in such an experience, it is little wonder that such a concern or such a fear uh, should take hold of our soul of our heart. That the Lord will hide his face from the house of Jacob um, with all the misery uh, that that entails uh, uh, and involves for ourselves. Uh, the question that would follow from that is, is there any solution for such a situation? Can such a situation be rectified? Oh, blessed be God, it can be. There is a solution for it. And the Lord himself, indeed, has made provision even for such a situation and gives directions to us uh, in his own inspired word. And that can bring us, lastly, uh, to consider the cure for such a situation. If that is our situation... What can we do? What can be done about Well, the Lord in, 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 in directs us. Take, for instance, even the chapter that is very relevant uh, to this time, and we will uh, be reading that chapter on uh, the Lord's Day when the words of the, for the institution um, of um, the Lord's Supper, even chapter 11, in First Corinthians, and uh, when Paul uh, was indeed dealing with Corinthians, who were certainly conducting themselves in a manner unbecoming, uh, observing the Lord's Supper and remembering the Lord's death, what he says: "Let a man examine himself. Let a man examine himself." And of course, under the Old Testament dispensation. That was likewise the duty that was that the Lord laid upon His people prior to the Passover to examine ourselves. Remember, they had to be so diligent in getting rid of all leaven in the house. Why that? Because leaven was always the symbol of sin. To examine ourselves and examine ourselves particularly with regard to our sins or whatever is causing this uh, breach, this um, uh, th this uh, uh, drift away, uh, this uh, uh, severance between ourselves and our fellowship uh, with the other. We examine our own lives. Is that if you are here this evening and. Uh, that is your situation well uh, you don't need to give up hope 
face the situation. What is at the root? You're complaining, perhaps, about your lack of fellowship with the Lord so much that you're doubting even uh, and cast down with regard to having renewed fellowship with him at such a time. as Well, examine yourself. Look at your life. See if there, what things are hindrances. What things are coming between yourself uh, and the Lord. And especially uh, uh, actual sins and transgressions of the Lord walking contrary uh, to the pattern that the word of God sets uh, before you. Under the Old Testament uh, dispensation, they had them to, uh, without, get rid of uh, the leaven. Under the New Testament dispensation, you and I have to examine our lives and face up to our sins and confess our sins. Oh, it is so hard for us sometimes to confess our sins, to get actually down on our knees and accept the the the, the, the dishonor that we have um, uh, given uh, the, the Lord, how we have failed in ever so many ways and are therefore utterly uh, unworthy of his presence, unfit uh, for his presence. Confess our sins, for if we confess our sins, our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful. Faithful to his own promise. That if we confess our sins. He will readily forgive them. Far more readily forgive them. Than we are to ask him. Um, see how isn't Isaiah. Um, Isaiah says. I can't just remember. Uh, the passage at the moment only acknowledge he says only acknowledge your sin how difficult it is sometimes just to face our sin get down on our knees acknowledge it and plead for his forgiveness or to confess our sins for as uh, the, uh, the Proverbs tells us he that covers his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. And notice the verse quoted in First John. He is faithful, faithful to his promise that he will forgive. And just, that's, that's glorious. That really is precious. Just, no fault, uh, no uh, injustice, no guilt or blame can be put to God's account when he freely forgives your sin and mine when we confess it. Why? He's absolutely just because he's doing it on the basis of the finished work of Christ who has paid the ultimate penalty for sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not 
after the flesh, but after the It's perfectly just for God to forgive sins to those who confess their sins before him and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because he was wounded for their transgressions. He was bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of their peace has been laid on him. So, in fact, it would be unjust of God not to do it. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is a necessity, speaking with all due reverence, though we are saved by grace, yet because of what Christ, the finished work of Christ, anyone who trusts in Christ, God, speaking with all due uh, reverence, God must forgive because Christ has already paid the penalty. What a wonderful provision then he has made for us in Christ and him uh, and him crucified. Oh, confessing uh, our sin. But that confession, of course, must be a heartfelt confession. Not something that, that trips lightly off your lips and mine. Just a, just a, almost like a form, like, not, oh yes, I've sinned. It must indeed be true repentance, a turning, a confessing our sins with grief and hatred for our sins and a forsaking of these, of, of these sins. But where's, where, how are we going to get that up? Can we work that up in ourselves? No. Repentance is as much a gift of God as, it, as faith is. It is his gift. The, the, the preparation of the heart is of the Lord. And as, as the prophet uh, Joel uh, says, rend your hearts, he says, and not your garments. Oh, our confession must indeed come from the very depths of our heart, from the very depths of our soul, be absolutely sincere, just like uh, the prodigal. He said, when he said, when he acknowledged to his path, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Uh, only um, as a, uh, the psalm that we're going to conclude with, Psalm uh, 51 um, when he says that a broken spirit is to God a pleasing sacrifice a broken and a contrite heart Lord thou wilt not despise on this man will I look says the Lord remember it's one of the prophets even him who um, trembles at my word. Oh, to come with a, with a trembling, a holy trembling before the Lord, recognizing the offensiveness of our sin and freely and heartily confessing it and seeking his forgiveness. The Lord will not despise uh, that soul. He will indeed freely forgive 
all our iniquity. So despite our consciousness then at this time of our many failings, our sinful our, our sinful failings, our many shortcomings, our sinful shortcomings, oh let us be encouraged to acknowledge, to confess and to uh, humble ourselves seeking the Lord's forgiveness and seeking the Lord's cleansing for us. Again, the Apostle John uh, himself puts it in uh, in his first epistle, the, the second the second uh, chapter, these wonderful words, and not only if um, uh, if we confess our sins, that he is uh, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, my little children, this is at the beginning of chapter two. These things I write to you, that you may not sin. Though the word of God is full of assurances that this holy and just God is ready, more than ready to forgive us our sins, don't think that he, he takes a light, uh, a superficial view of sin far from it. These things I write to you that you may not sin, or as in the AV, that you sin not. And if anyone sins, who doesn't? Who doesn't? There's not a sinless soul in this world. There's only one such, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. These things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Oh, where will you go with your consciousness of your sin, your shortcoming, your unworthiness, your unfitness, but to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is our advocate. And what a strong ground on which to place his, his advocacy, even the propitiation that he himself has made by offering himself in the Roman in the stead of sinners. Oh, um, the, the provision he has made. And then uh, there is the feast that he himself has actually appointed. Uh, and in the very words of the institution, this is my body broken for you. Why was it broken for you? Because of your sin. Uh, so that uh, the very elements themselves direct your directs your mind, directs your attention, directs your faith to the sacrifice. Appropriate that to yourself, even here and now, without even waiting till the actual sacrament itself. This is my body broken for you in all your sin, in all the dishonour 
that you have uh, uh, placed on the Lord. All the disobedience that you have shown. All your lukewarmness. All your hard-heartedness. Whatever. Broken for you. Make it permanent. Appropriate. The comfort of it. Appropriate the assurance of it. To your own soul. Broken for you. See. Broken for me. Broken for me. This is my blood. Shed for you. This is the new covenant. In my blood. Oh. Psalm 89. Listen to these words. The Lord's words to David. If his sons forsake my law. And do not walk in my judgments. If they break my statutes. And do not keep my commandments. Then I will visit their transgression with rod, with the rod. And their iniquity with stripes. And that can be, these words can be applied not just to David's uh, uh, children. But to the New Testament, David's children as well. Is that not what you're experience? You're feeling this experience almost of alienation from the Lord. This severance, this lack of uh, fellowship with him. But notice, then I will visit their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. Put that in the devil's throat. When he accuses you and says, there's no hope for you. You don't need to. Oh, nevertheless, my loving kindness, I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor will alter the word that has gone out of my lips once I have sworn by my holiness I will not lie. It is that very covenant then, the new covenant that has all these glorious affirmations and assurances to all who trust in the one who has been given to us. As Isaiah tells us, as our covenant. He is our covenant head. So that even in the very sacrament itself, then we have these wonderful reassurances without uh, without encouraging or thinking superficially uh, with regard to our sins and their offensiveness. Yet there is Iniquities, I must confess, prevail against me too. But as for our transgressions, then purge away, shalt thou. Oh, friends, how ready the Lord is to forgive our sins. Only acknowledge your iniquity. Confess your sins and seek humbly his Forgiveness and receive anew 
receive anew. Oh, and receive, receive anew the blessings of the new covenant. And receive anew the fellowship that he himself offers and assures us. He has promised to be present. You're, uh, you're, you're going to the table and you're afraid, will he come? He's promised to be present where two or three are gathered, have been gathered together in his name. There am I, there am I in the midst. That's his promise. Let's hold him with all due reverence and with all due humility. Let's hold him to his promise. For he never breaks his promise. Oh, he assures us himself, my covenant I will not break. He has promised his own presence. And there are wonderful words as applicable today as they were when they were first uttered to the children of Israel. Um, um, under Moses. In Exodus chapter 20, you can look them up for yourself. He says this in all places, and I think they're, they're wonderful. Oh, in all places where I um, record my name, and that word record, record rather, the Hebrew word, it can equally. Um, be translated, an accurate translation of the word is where I cause my name to be remembered. What about it? I will come unto you and I will bless you. Notice the positive. And all places where I have caused my name to be remembered, the altars that were set up where our memorial uh, a memorial to a, 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 a meeting and a fellowship and worship with the Lord. What he has caused his name to be remembered. Huh? And has he not caused his name to be remembered in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper? This do in remembrance of me. Is the Lord's Supper not a place where he has recorded his name with all the promises? I will come to you and I will bless you. Oh, what a wonderful God he is. What a wonderful God. What a gracious God. What a merciful God. What a loving God. That despite all our unworthiness and our guilty self, that he has made provision whereby he can manifest his grace and his mercy and his love to the most undeserving who trust in Christ on the basis of what Christ has done in which he has found and still finds abundant satisfaction to justify 
is freely forgiving yourself for myself all of our sins. Can I just can I just finish with a quotation that I came across recently? It did my soul good, and I hope it will do you soul good. It's a sermon by a George Smeaton, a well a well known. Uh, minister of the Gospel, Free Church Minister of the Gospel in the 19th century, and a sermon to backsliders. And if you're here this evening and feel that that's just a good description of the condition of your soul in a backslidden condition, but after all kinds of um, reasonings, he, 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 he ends with this and after going backward that is after being guilty of uh, backsliding if you doubt whether the father's smile again can settle on you if you question whether God can again be pacified by what is laid up in Christ you cast contempt as much upon the treasure of his grace as if you hope to be forgiven because your sins are small. Begin at the beginning as if you never knew the truth. Believe with all your heart that God, now listen to this, believe with all your heart that God has been more glorified by Christ than dishonoured by you. God has been more glorified by Christ in his, his obedience unto death than dishonoured by you in all your sins, whatever they are. That the law is more magnified by the obedience of the greatest being in the universe than even violated by you. And look upon yourself as in him in Christ when he died as in him when he rose putting off our curse behold him then acquitted and that you too were acquitted uh, in him and I'll just finish off with this and I, I, I own I'm thankful to Mr. Sure we had a discussion last was it last, last, no, not last, a week last Sabbath. Yes, a week last Sabbath, on a certain point, and he drew my attention to something he had come across in the diary of the late Mr. McCray, Kevin McCray, in reference to a, a devotional treasury written by a German theologian by the name of Karl Bogatsky. And McCray's own words are these, in reference to what he had written, Bogatsky uh, says, Faith's most, di most difficult exercise is to be is to be penetrated both with a lively sense of our sinfulness and with a sense of absolute freedom from condemnation at one at the same time. That is faith's most difficult work.
to be absolutely convinced of your hell deservedness on the one hand, but at the same time grasping your absolute freely free from condemnation through faith in Christ. On the and to hold these intentions is quite down quite, quite an achievement by faith. And can I just uh, add Bogatsky uh, continues, and I quote Bogatsky, but the more we know of both, the nearer approach that is both your 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 your, your unworthiness, your your condemnation because of your sin, and your freedom. The, the, more we, the more we know of both these, the nearer approach we make to heaven. And we are our own greatest enemies if together with the fullest comprehension of sin and the deepest humiliation for it, we do not look steadfastly unto Jesus and see it taken away by the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That is what will take away all your anxiety and concern over the question do you think he will not come to the feast? May the Lord grant that he will come. Let us approach it with that attitude of mind and heart, that firm trust in the worthiness of the great, the one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless to us some of these thoughts at least. Let us call upon his name and pray. <coughs> oh, our blessed Lord, we give thanks for the gospel, for the good news of salvation. We give thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. And we give thanks for his all-prevailing intercession. May we have a place in that intercession, especially at this time. O oh, gracious one, we plead for your presence, not because of any worthiness of ours, but we do plead for it on the ground of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Granted, we pray, and the prayer shall be thine forever. Amen. Let us conclude our service then, singing to God's praise in Psalm 51 and at verse 14. O God of my salvation, God, me from blood guiltiness set free. Then shall my tongue aloud sing of thy righteousness. My closed lips, O Lord, by thee let them be opened. Then shall thy praises by my mouth abroad be published. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it thee. Nor wilt thou with burnt offering at all delighted be. A broken spirit 
is to God a pleasing sacrifice, a broken and a contrite heart, Lord, thou wilt not despise. Let us sing these four verses then in conclusion to God's praise, and we stand to sing, O God of my salvation, God, me from blood guiltiness set free. <coughs> Now and forevermore. Amen.